0: Welcome to the podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blalock entitled United in Message from our Pentecost Series 1. Remain standing for God's Word today, Acts chapter 2, beginning in the 22nd verse. We've been talking about a Spirit-filled church. It's united in worship. It's united in community. It's united in mission. And this morning, it's united in message. Say in message... Amen. Lots of people have lots of opinions about what the message of the church ought to be. They want the preacher to talk about this, and they want the preacher to talk about that, and they want us to talk about economics, and they want us to talk about politics, and they want us to talk about all these different things in the pulpit. I want to tell you today, this sacred desk is worthy of just one message, and it's found in the book of Acts, the second chapter beginning in the 22nd verse and if I'm going to preach today I'm going to preach what the very first Pentecostal preacher preached and you find his message, his name was Simon Peter and full of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost he stepped up and preached the very first Pentecostal sermon and here it is men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth A man attested by God to you by miracles wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourself also know him being delivered up by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he would be held by it. Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all who are afar off, and to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you today that the message of Jesus has never and will never change. That today, Lord, you are our prison-shaking, pain-taking, chain-breaking Savior. And Lord, we can come today and we can celebrate that fact. And we can believe and we can receive every good benefit of the gospel today because of who you are. And we thank you for it. Anoint me to preach it. And open our hearts that we might receive it. And we'll give you thanks in the name of Jesus and God's people said. Give the Lord a great hand of praise as you're seated today. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Many people have an idea and an opinion about what the message of the church ought to be. Many voices would like to co-opt the pulpit for their agenda. But I want to tell you today, if we read the Word of God, we understand that the message of the church has never changed. The church only has one message. Now, that message might affect what we feel about our politics. That message will most certainly affect what we do with our money and how we spend our time and how we live our lives. And yet we dare not misunderstand that over everything else stands one great message, and that is the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does the church preach? The church preaches Jesus. Say that with me. The church preaches Jesus. Jesus, when Paul wrote to a church that was broken by controversy, arguing about many things, Paul wrote to them and said, I only want to know one thing among you, Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want to tell you that cross is the only message the church ever has or ever will have. Jesus crucified, risen, reigning, and coming again. Amen? That's the message of the hour. That's the message of every day. Whenever Peter took the pulpit, he had three great themes that he preached. And I want to remind us of them today. A spirit-filled church, a church that is in unity, will be united around Jesus. Say, united around Jesus. We might have many things different, but the one thing we have in common is not something, it is someone. And the Lord Jesus and the unity we have in Him and what we believe about Him is bigger than any other difference that we might have. Amen? Amen. What did Jesus, what did Jesus leave us to say about him? What did Peter preach about Jesus? Let me give you three thoughts today. Number one, the early church preached Jesus, the Savior from sin. Say that with me. Jesus, the savior from sin. I want to tell you today, you and I can rejoice today because Jesus is a savior from sin. Amen? He's a savior. Say a savior. Verse 23 says, But him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death. The beginning of the message about Jesus that we preach today is that Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, who never did anything wrong, was nailed to the cross for us. The message of Jesus is that he saves from sin. What does it mean for us? Well, it means a couple things. Number one, it means we have forgiveness from sin's penalty. You and I have been forgiven of all of our sins. Can I tell you today, I don't know what baggage you came bearing today. I don't know what you've done in your life. I don't know what you did last week. I don't know what kind of guilt you may be loaded under today. But I can tell you today, there is only one place in this world where you will ever find a release from your guilt. There's only one place where you can ever be untied from the load of your shame. And that is at the foot of the cross. Jesus forgives sin. Jesus releases people from shame. Jesus sets people free from condemnation and the weight of their sin. And Jesus is the only one who can do it. I served as a hospice chaplain for a couple years. And I want to tell you, there is no burden greater than the burden of guilt over past sin I have watched men and women who lived out to be 80 and 90 years old still laying on their deathbed burdened under the weight of guilt and shame about things they did 30 40 50 years ago that haunt them all through life and as they prepare to make their exit they are still fresh in their mind as the day that they committed those sins and time does not erase guilt say it with me Time does not erase guilt. Time doesn't take that away. But I want to tell you what time can't do in a century. The blood of Jesus can do in a split second when we trust in Christ and we kneel at the cross and we ask God to forgive us of our sin. He's a savior from sin. I love the verse Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 and 14. The New Living renders it this way. You were dead because of your sins, and then God made you alive in Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Look at verse 15, 14. He canceled the record of the charges and took that was against us and took it away by nailing it to his cross. Amen. You and I have a criminal record in the court of heaven. We've got a rap sheet a mile long, all the things that we've done, the sins we've committed against God. And there they are waiting on us on that day whenever we get there. Bishop G.E. Patterson used to sing the song, Oh, my record will be there, be its pages bright or fair. When I stand before God's judgment throne, on that morning when I rise and the gates are open wide, oh, my record, yes, my record will be there. And I want to tell you it's true for every one of us. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that on the day of judgment, that the book of life is open. But then it says all the other books are opened, and in those books are written all the deeds that we have done. And we will be judged, every man according to what is written in the books, the Bible says. God's got a book with my name on it, and everything that I've done is written there. Every sin I've committed, every thought Every word, every deed, not only everything I've done is written there, but everything I should have done that I didn't do is written there because the Bible says, He that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is what? Sin. So I've got sins of omission there. I've got sins of commission. I've got sins in thought, sins in word, sins in deed. No wonder the Bible says in Psalm 130, "O oh Lord, if you marked our transgressions, who could stand before you? All of us have a record in heaven that we could never outlive and not one of our good deeds will erase our bad deeds. Not a thousand of our good deeds will erase our bad deeds. All our righteous deeds are like filthy rags in his presence. What is it that can do the job then? The hymn writer said, nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus can wash away our sin. What we could not do on our own, Jesus did in a moment. He took our record and he nailed it to the cross. The Bible says in John chapter 19 and 20, it says that when Jesus, 1930, when Jesus hung there on the cross, he cried out in a loud voice and said, it is finished. The Greek word was tetelestai. This word means literally paid in full. It is finished. It's completed. Whenever you would have a charge account in Jesus' day, whenever you owed someone money, whenever you'd bought goods on credit, they would write out your bill. And whenever you finished paying the bill, when the bill was done, when the total amount was paid, the man would write Tetelestai on the bottom of the bill. It was like stamping the bill paid in full. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, he took the record of our sin and he nailed it to Calvary and he cried out out over everyone who would believe in him to tell the debt is paid in full i remember the old song that um used to be sung by a girl named crystal lewis when i was growing up i'm dating myself i don't know if chad remembers crystal lewis remember crystal lewis glory shout with me chad She used to sing a song and the chorus said oh the pages have been stained talking about my record Oh the pages have been stained by the blood he shed for me. Praise God. I can't read them Neither can he what's been forgiven is forgotten. They're impossible to read blood-stained pages stained by blood He shed for me. Aren't you worried about judgment day pastor? No, I'm not because when the book is open and the record of my sin gets there all that'll be there is page after page No matter how hard the devil turns no matter how deep he looks, every page has been stained with the blood of Jesus. No wonder the psalmist said, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not regard iniquity. Blessed is the man whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whose iniquity is atoned for. We're blessed today because our sins has been washed away by the blood of Jesus. Amen. You see, we humans hung God on a cross Can you imagine that? We hung God on a cross. God shows up in human form, and we nail him to a tree. What would you expect us to receive from that kind of action? Well, it would have been in his right every bit to have called 10,000 angels and to have devastated the world and destroyed everyone on it of Adam's race. But instead of crying out from the cross for judgment and wrath and vengeance, Jesus cries out from the cross, and his blood cries out from the ground. Abel's righteous blood cried out for vengeance, but Jesus' righteous blood cried out something different, Hebrews says. From the ground, the blood of Jesus cried the very words of his prayer, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And today you and I are forgiven of our sin because the blood of Jesus cries out from the altar of God. Father, forgive them. Charles Wesley wrote, five bleeding wounds he bears received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Forgive him, oh forgive, they cry. Nor let that ransomed sinner die. You and I are alive today because Jesus has declared forgiveness over us. Jesus comes to forgive our sin. Amen. No wonder, David said, he's not dealt with us according to our sins. He's not punished us according to our transgressions. But as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. For uh, So great is his mercy for as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So Jesus comes today and he brings freedom from the penalty of sin. Forgiveness from the penalty of sin. Say forgiveness. And he brings freedom from the power of sin. Say freedom. Jesus comes not only to forgive sin. That's wonderful. That's great news that I'm forgiven. But let me tell you what's even better news. Not only is my debt cleansed, not only is my my past forgiven, but my future is delivered as well. My present is set free from bondage. I'm thankful for forgiveness. I'm even more thankful I don't have to keep on living the same way that I've always lived. I'm thankful that I don't have to keep on making the same mistakes. I'm thankful for the freedom that Jesus offers. Jesus offers freedom from sin's power. Jesus didn't just do something for us. He came to do something in us. Amen. The Bible says in Romans, in Romans 6, he says, Romans 6 and 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You and I don't have to live in bondage to our old way of living anymore. Jesus died and rose so we could join him in his death and his resurrection. He broke the uncontrollable power of sin over our lives. What Jesus did for me, the Holy Spirit makes real in me. Say that with me. What Jesus did for me, the Holy Spirit makes real in me. And whenever you trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit goes to work on the basis of your faith in the cross, and sets you free down on the inside. Amen. You know, it's an amazing thing. A pardon has to be received. Did you know that? It's not enough that a pardon be granted. A pardon has to be received. Over 100 years ago in the United States, this was proven in court. There was a man whom the judge agreed, who the the president issued a pardon, even though he was a convicted murderer. And the man sitting in prison made the decision that he was not going to receive the pardon. Immediately, a great legal battle broke out in the United States. The president had pardoned this man. Surely he must be set free. And yet the man refused to receive the pardon. It went all the way up through and finally landed in the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court rendered their verdict, and their final decision was a pardon that is not received is no pardon at all. I want to tell you it's not enough for the pardon to be granted. The pardon must be received. Well, Jesus died for the sins of the world, so that means everybody's going to heaven, right? No, it doesn't. A pardon's been granted, but a pardon must be received. You must personally trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior by faith. Or you'll not receive the pardon. You won't receive the forgiveness. And you won't receive the freedom from sin. Jesus can do more for sin than forgive it. Thank God. He can set us free. Jesus said in John 8, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But I tell you the truth, If the Son will set you free, You'll be free indeed. Say free indeed. You and I can be truly free today. Jesus can set us free. We sang it this morning. The choir declared that if you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. Jesus can break the chains of your sin and bondage today. I'm thankful today he's a savior from sin. And number two, not only that, but the church went on to preach something else about Jesus. They rejoiced in Jesus, not only because he was a savior from sin, but because he was a champion over Satan. Jesus was the champion over Satan. You see, what sin did was open the door to the devil. The way the snake got in, the way the devil took control on our planet, was because human sin. Opened the door and the reason the devil got a foothold was because of the door opened by Adam and Eve When you read in the garden you find a serpent scouring around in a garden when you read Revelation You see a mighty dragon who drew a third of the stars of heaven down with him who fed that Joker? How did you go from a snake in the garden to a dragon in Revelation who fed him we fed him every sin? Gives him more and more and more power. Why is the devil wreaking havoc? Because folks are letting him do it. Amen. We gave up our authority whenever we sinned, and the devil took advantage of that, and he has perpetrated his will in the world. But that's the bad news. But the good news of the gospel is, when Jesus died and rose again, he did something to overcome the devil. He did something to defeat not only sin, but to defeat Satan by his victory on the cross. Amen? Hear the word of the Lord. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and 15, By his cross, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Not only did Jesus come to forgive sin, whenever we trust in him, he delivers us from the prison house of the devil. He sets us free from the chains of darkness. It's amazing to me whenever I hear Christians talk about how much trouble the devil is giving them. It bothers me a little bit, Randy. I hear this all the time. Oh, the devil's just been on my case. Oh, I wish the devil, I wish God would do something about the devil. God did. God did. Jesus died and rose again. Amen. And then he gave you authority if you believe in him. And the Bible says if you'll submit yourself to God and you'll resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Oh, I've been running from the devil all week long. You're supposed to be running him. He's not supposed to be running you. Amen. He's supposed to be running from you, not the other way around. Did you hear me? (laughs) Something's not right. The reason some of us have so much trouble with the devil is because we won't get out of sin. Well, it's quiet in the holiness church. You see, sin opens the door for the devil. It, uh, It gives him access to our lives. And listen, you can't rebuke a devil on Sunday that you've been playing with all weekend. Oh, it's quiet in the holiness church. Amen. You can't play around the edges and be buddy-buddy with the devil and skirt lightly with sin on Friday and on Saturday and then come in on Sunday and lay on an altar and ask God to rescue you from the consequences. It doesn't work that way. You've got to make a clean break. If you want out, then you've got to get out and then you've got to stay out. Amen. Amen. We've got to decide that we want freedom. We have to make the decision. If we want to be free, Jesus can set us free. I want to tell you something better than that. If you want to be free, Jesus can keep you free. Amen. You don't have to get delivered every weekend. The Bible says he hath delivered us. Past tense from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. Amen. You're not even supposed to be playing around in the devil's playground. You're in the kingdom of the Son of God. Live in the kingdom. You've been delivered from the power of darkness. Quit playing around with the dark. Come out from among them and be separate, the Bible says. It's not popular, but it's the Word of God. And if you want to be free, you have to live free. You have to stay free. For this purpose, 1 John 3 and 8 says, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He'll destroy the devil's work in our lives. But we've got to let him. We've got to invite him in. We've got to let Jesus have the reins. We've got to walk with him. I'm thankful for that today. A missionary in South America came home one afternoon to discover that a full-grown anaconda had set up shop in his living room. You can imagine his terror when he walked in and this giant snake is there in his house. He runs out of the house and yells to the other men in the village. He doesn't know what to do. He's never encountered this before but they have they know what to do and so a bunch of men come running into his house and they've got their machetes drawn and just a few seconds later one of them comes in and they take one big whack and the head comes off that snake and as soon as they cut off the head all the men go running back out of the house and they shut the door and for the next three minutes all you hear is plates being broken on the table pictures are coming off the wall this snake is thrashing and flipping and flopping and going every way And he's wreaking havoc all over the house. And then about 30 seconds later, everything is quiet in the home. And the men open the door and drag the snake out and hand the man his broom and say, now you got to go in and clean up your house. You see what happened? Even though they took his head off, he still had some sensation in his body and he flipped and flopped and reeled and railed all that he could until the last bit of life was drained out of him. The Bible says that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose from the dead, that he went down and even though the serpent bruised his heel, the Bible says he stomped the devil in the head, he crushed the head of the snake, he took his head off! Why is the devil still bothering me? Oh, don't worry, dear heart. It's just the flipping and the flopping. It's just the reeling and the railing of a snake who's had his head taken off. He may flop for a while. He may do a little damage. He may break some plates. He may take some pictures off the wall. But when it's all said and done and Jesus steps out on the cloud, he'll be quiet and one angel will bind him with a chain and cast him in a bottomless pit. Give the Lord a hand of praise. You got chains, he's a chain breaker. Why? Because Jesus has defeated the world and the flesh and the devil. He's taken the head off the snake. And all he can do is flip and flop. Hebrews 2 and 14 says, Through death he destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And released those who through fear of bondage were all their lifetime, through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Amen? Jesus Christ is the Savior from sin. Say the Savior. He's the champion over Satan. Say the champion. And finally this morning, he's the Lord of life. Say the Lord of life. I love the verse, verse 24 of Acts 2. Peter says, Jesus, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Look at that verse a little more closely. You just kind of read over it. The Bible says that when God raised Jesus from the dead, he loosed the pains of death. Notice it didn't say he loosed Jesus. It said he loosed death from its pain. Whenever Jesus rose from the dead, it wasn't to give Jesus some relief. It was to give death some relief. Do you see it? Why? Because death couldn't possibly hold on to him. And so God finally just set death free from his aimless, futile struggle and brought Jesus up from the dead and declared that the wrestling match was over. You ever watch those matches where they get the guy down on the mat and he's kicking and he's screaming and he's flopping and the guy's got him in a headlock. And meanwhile, the guy's over, he's just going one, two, three, four. That's what happened to Jesus. That's what happened to death on Resurrection Day. On Easter morning, Jesus has got death in a headlock. He's got him pinned to the ground, and he's screaming, and he's squirming, and he's hollering. And God the Father is just watching the first rays of sunlight break over the top of the Mount Calvary. And the Father's standing there going, one, two, three, four, five. And then he gets to ten, and God sets death free from its pain. I remember the story as a boy growing up with Jerry Clowers and Jerry Clower loved to tell about Marcel and Udell Ledbetter. You remember the Ledbetter boys? I'm from very near Yazoo City. I love the story of when Marcel and, Ledbet- and Udale Ledbetter were out hunting coons one night, and one of them went up in the tree to get the coon and realized that he wasn't up in there with a the coon. He was up in there with a bobcat. And the bobcat got a hold of him, and he had a hold of the bobcat. And he was telling, Marcel was telling Udell, shoot the gun, shoot the gun. And Udell said, I can't shoot. I'm afraid I'll hit you. I may not hit the cat. What if I hit you? And Marcel finally said, just shoot up in here amongst us. One of us has got to have some relief. (laughs) I bet that's how death felt on Easter morning when Jesus, the Lord of life, had him by the collar. And that morning as the sun breaks, Jesus rises from the dead. And he walks out with the key ring on his side and says, I've got the keys of death, hell and the grave. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And because I live, my people will live also. It was not possible for death to hold him. He's the Lord of life. And death could not hold him in the ground. Max Licado tells a story in his little book, Six Hours, One Friday, about another missionary in Brazil who discovered a tribe of natives in the remotest part of the jungle. They'd never heard the gospel of Jesus. While he's there working among them, he realizes that not only do they have a spiritual need, they have a very deep physical need. Sickness had gripped the village, and the men and women were dying. But it was a very treatable disease and if they would cross the river and follow him to the medic station they could be treated and they could live and they could overcome their illness but this contagious disease was ravaging their population. People were dying daily. The hospital was relatively nearby, but none of the Indians would cross the river because they believed that the river was haunted. They believed that evil spirits lived in the river and that if you went into the river, you would never be able to cross and come out safely on the other side. The missionary knew this was superstition and foolishness, but he could not convince them. Finally, he went out to the edge of the water. He reached down, and he waved his hand in the water. But the, the men stood on the bank unconvinced. He reached down and splashed the water onto his face and was not harmed. And yet, no one was willing to believe him. He went out waist deep and splashed around in the water. And still no one would join him. Finally, the man went back to the bank, dove headfirst into the stream, swam across, and came out on the other side. And when his feet stepped up on the bank, on the opposite side of the river, he lifted his hands and the entire tribe cheered and 200 Indians dove into the water and swam to the other side, following him across because they knew now there was nothing to be afraid of. I want to tell you today, you may be in the house today and you may be afraid of dying. You may be scared to death of death. It may haunt you and grip you that one day you are going to leave this life and stand before God, that reality of the unknown that lies ahead of you may devastate you and haunt you. But I want to tell you this morning on good authority that you don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to fear the grave. Why? Because the Lord Jesus has dove headfirst into Jordan's icy waters. He has swam the river of death. He has emerged on the other side, and he has conquered over the grave and you and I will follow in his steps if we will trust in him. Death was not the end of him, and death will not be the end of us. How do you know? Because Jesus died, and Jesus rose from the dead. If the church only had one message, it'd be the resurrection. Do you hear me? If we only had one message, it would be the resurrection of Jesus. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday for the Christian. We meet on Sunday because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. Here people say, why don't you meet on Saturday? Don't you know that was a Sabbath? Yeah, we know that was a Sabbath, but our message isn't the Sabbath. Our message is the resurrection, and Jesus rose on Sunday morning, and Christians have met on Sunday morning ever since then. Huh. Well, I don't know about that. Well, the Bible says that Jesus came and found the disciples gathered on the first day of the week. The Bible says he showed himself to Thomas on the first day of the week. Amen. That's when they met. The Bible says that when the day of Pentecost came, it was on the first day of the week. Amen. God sent the light. The Father sent the light on the first day of the week. The sun rose on the first day of the week. The Holy Ghost fell on the first day of the week. I know where I'm going to be on the first day of the week. Amen? John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. The day of the resurrection. You can go to church whenever you want to. I'm going to be here every Sunday. Because it's the Lord's Day. Amen? I'm going to be here twice today. Amen? Come back at 6 o'clock. Hear me today. This is the message of the church, the resurrection. Paul preached it, 2 Timothy 1 and 10, by the appearing appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through our gospel. John 5 and 24, Jesus preached the resurrection. I tell you the truth, he said, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and shall not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. That's the message of Jesus. John preached it. John, he said in John 8, 51, I'll tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never see death. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, 25, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. This is the message of the church. It all stands or falls on this. Well, pastor, what does the resurrection mean? It means at least two things. Number one, it means I have no fear about tomorrow. Say that with me. No fear about tomorrow. Amen. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. Why? 1 Peter 1, 3-5 says that blessed be our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. We have a living hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead and so I've got hope in this life. If Jesus can beat death, Jesus can beat anything. Amen. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future, life is worth the living just because he lives. That's the message, the resurrection. He's Lord of life. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. We know who holds our future. Jesus is the Lord of life. And number two, we have no fear about eternity. Say eternity. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear what lies beyond the grave. Why? Because Jesus has taken all the sting out of death. Little girl was riding with her dad in his pickup truck one Saturday afternoon and a hornet flew into the window. And she was terrified. She didn't want to get stung. She knew that it would hurt and she was allergic to stings and it might even do great damage to her. And she's very afraid. A moment later her dad reached up and grabbed hold of the hornet, held him in his hand, and then a few seconds later he turned him loose again. And the hornet began to buzz and fly around the cab of the truck. And the little girl panicked again. And the father said, it's okay, baby. He can't hurt you. You don't have to be afraid. And the father opened his left hand. And there buried in the palm of his hand was the stinger off the hornet. He had taken all the sting for his daughter. And all the hornet could do now was buzz around the cab of the truck and threaten something that it could never carry out. Christians don't have to fear death today. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 15 and 56 says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus took the sting of death on Calvary. Does that mean I won't die? No, I'll die. But it means that death doesn't do to me what it intended to do to me. Death means separation. Say separation." All through the Bible, that's what death means. It's being separated from your loved ones. Ultimately, death is to be separated from God. That's what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death, to be separated from God forever and ever. But now because Jesus has taken the sting out of death, death no longer has the power to separate me from God. And death can't separate me ultimately from the people of God. Amen? Why? Because Jesus rose, and all who trust in him will rise with him from the grave one day. Do you hear me today? Death, where's your sting? This is the message of the church. Pastor, you took a Sunday to preach this. Yes, I did. I wrestled through this week in prayer, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach? He said, just preach Jesus. Just preach the gospel. Just remind the church that its most united front is this one thing. It is the message of Jesus. The world does not need to be informed about our politics The world does not need to know our stand on any and every social issue. You can get to that at some point later in the game whenever you're discipling people. You can teach them what the word says about anything and everything, but that's not the card you lead with. That's not what you talk to lost people about. Lost people are lost and they're going to hell and they're separated from God and they're broken and they're hurting and they're guilty and they're bound and they're addicted and they're locked up in the chains of their past and they don't need all our opinions about everything. They need one thing on our lips. They need to know that Jesus is the Savior from sin. They need to know that Jesus is the champion over Satan. They need to know that Jesus is the Lord of life and he can help them face tomorrow and he can help them face their last day here with confidence that they're ready to stand before God. That's the message of the church. Let that message ring out from the pulpit again. This is what our culture needs to hear. Preach Jesus. Preach Calvary. Preach the resurrection. Preach the power of the risen Christ. This is the message in every generation. We preach Jesus, crucified, risen, reigning, Savior, champion, Lord of life. This is our message today. Let me ask you today, what do you need to receive from Jesus today? Do you have sin that needs to be forgiven? Do you need to be delivered from addiction or bondage? Do you need to be released from the fear of death? Do you need to be assured of eternal life? You can come to Jesus this morning. You can unite your heart to what Jesus did by dying and rising again by faith today. You can trust Him as your Savior and your Master today. You can join Him today. You can receive all that He died and rose to give you today. Amen. How? Acts two thirty eight Peter closes the sermon with his altar call. Peter's altar call was this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive God's gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the message of the church. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your past. Turn away from your old life. Then be baptized. What's that about? publicly commit your life to Jesus. This isn't some private thing you do in a corner somewhere and hope that it takes. No. You go public. You make up your mind. I'm in this thing. I belong to Jesus. My heart is His. I'm committing my whole life. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to go public. I'm going to let everybody know. I'm going go to go in that water. I'm going to go in that watery grave of a baptistry. I'm going to go down one way and I'm going to come up another way. I'm going to bury my past in the blood of Jesus, and I'm going to come up free to live a new kind of life, and I'm going to let everybody know in my church that I am all in for Jesus. Repent. Be baptized. Go public. Be a disciple. Give everything to Jesus. Totally commit to this thing. Don't be a closet Christian. Go public. Repent. Be baptized. And then what will happen? You can receive the gift of God's Spirit. Pastor, I can't do this thing on my own. God knew you couldn't and never intended for you to. (laughs) He has provided the Holy Spirit to help you. And we can tell you and teach you how to walk and live the Spirit-filled life. How you can... He'll come in when you're born again. And then He'll fill and baptize you when you surrender fully to Him. Amen. And the church can help you get there. But where do you start? You start at the beginning. You start by believing the message of Jesus. Turning away from your sin. Falling down at the cross and saying, I want Jesus for my Savior. I want Jesus to drive the devil and his power out of my life. I want Jesus to set me free. I want Jesus to give me life without fear. Stand with me all over the Lord's house today. Pastor Chad's coming, and we're going to sing together a closing hymn. If you're a Christian today, we're going to rejoice. Say rejoice. We're going to rejoice and sing a hymn about our faith. So this is not the moment to slip out and go beat the Baptist to the buffet line. Amen? We're singing a closing hymn. We're going to sing it as a congregation. Amen? So if you're a Christian, you're going to do what? Rejoice. But if you're not a Christian today, I want you to respond. I want you to respond. I want you to come and find a place to kneel. I want you to ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sins. I want you out of your mouth to confess that you believe with all your heart that when Jesus died and rose again, he did it for you. And he did it to forgive you and set you free. And I want you to invite him to come into your life and to break your chains and to forgive your past and to make you a new creation, a new person on the inside. Invite Jesus to come and do that. He invites you to come. You respond to the invitation. Would you pray with me? Father, as we prepare to sing, we lift our heart up to you. And Lord, today we ask you today that you'd move by your spirit in the house. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, this, this team and this choir has sung the gospel all morning. That there's power and salvation and hope and life in the name of Jesus. That we can be saved by amazing grace. Not by what we've done, but by what you've offered us. Lord, we've sung today that we can taste and see that you're good. And that you're promising. Lord, we've sung today that you're a chain breaker. A prison shaking savior. Lord, today we come in this hour. We come in this moment as we close this service to celebrate that and to give other people an opportunity to get in on the good news of that Lord we pray this morning as we celebrate and as we sing that if there's one in the house who needs to be saved or who needs to be restored to Jesus from a broken relationship with him that today would be the day if there's one who needs to be delivered and set free one who needs freedom from guilt or shame one who needs deliverance from bondage or addiction one who needs to be set free from fear worry about tomorrow or anxiety about death, that today would be the day that they find everything they need in Christ alone, in Christ alone. We ask it in Jesus' name and God's people say, amen. Lift your voice. Sing with Pastor Chad this morning. The altar goes. Christ alone, my hope is found. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you are blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at the Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org. join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.